dad bod rap pod tell a short story very brief story a holiday story if you will for many years when i was a young child um after thanksgiving dinner my mom liked to tell a story about thanksgiving um and it's a story that you know not everyone liked and got her in trouble in some parts but it's a story she liked to tell and one one i like to tell you and it's that on the first thanksgiving native americans pilgrims sat down had a wonderful feast it was a hard a hard winter and then afterwards the pilgrims got up and shot them all dead and that's america so happy thanksgiving everyone <laughs> welcome to the dad bod rap pod uh my name is damone carter AKA Dem One. I am joined week to week by my bros, Nate LeBlanc. Happy Thanksgiving, bro. Thanks, man. Same to you. What a bizarre year. Um, <laughs> I'm not seeing my family today. Very odd. I usually have yeah. pretty serious family commitments. Um, yep. But Lucia, my wife, and I are going to spend it alone. And what we decided to do was skip the Thanksgiving dinner part and go straight to the leftover sandwiches. So nice. I've been like oh. thinking about bread selection, making okay. little like kind of like pan fried stuffing deals to make them a sandwich component, um, yeah. layering, mustard. Okay. This is what's on my mind. That, that sounds <laughs> fantastic. Um, I love the pivot there. Uh, Mr. David Ma, what kind of Thanksgiving edibles do you have lined up? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to deploy them um, right now. And then <laughs> just to make sure they kick in. Um, yeah, man, we're, we're also sort of isolating ourselves too. So it's going to be weird. We're going to get on, get on the zoom call with my mom and say hi real quick and just do okay. weird things like that. Um, yeah. Pretty much going to make some food, um, drive it around and drop it off to some family and smoke some weed till I go to sleep. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like fun. Happy holidays. <laughs> and we are joined on this very special Thanksgiving day episode by comedian, writer, Josh Gondelman. How's it going, man? Hey, I'm all right, thank you. I'm, I'm also hunkering down. I, I had to cancel on my, my parents. I, we were gonna, it was my wife and my year to go visit my side of the family. And uh, we had to call and cancel. We're not going up to Boston this year. So we're going to just like lay low. There's a restaurant two blocks from us that's doing like Thanksgiving dinner takeout. We're going to grab that nice. and just like probably watch a ton of Frasier. We're really into Frasier right now. <laughs> nice. nice. Real hip hop. <laughs> that's that's uh, where, yes, where Frasier and Biggie Smalls meet is yeah. the dad blood rap five. Um, Niles is uh, top five. Niles is top five. Niles is top five. <laughs> Would Paul Barman be in Niles' top five? He would have oh, to. Oh, man. <laughs> That's too, um, too close. Too close. Uh, uh, wow. So we're, we're gathered here around uh, the virtual Thanksgiving table uh, to do a very special episode today. Um, although I started with a macabre uh, and very dangerous story that Nate may edit out. Didn't think uh, we were going to go there, to be honest. I think it's funny, and I'm definitely <laughs> leaving it in, but it was not expecting that. Uh, good times. Um, we are we are gathered around the, the 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 Zoom right now to do a little thing about the things that we love. Hip hop, especially hip hoppers of our age, can be a very curmudgeonly group. We have uh, our dislikes very close to our sleeve, oftentimes. But we are going to have a, a little discussion about the things in this culture that we love. And I think to start, Nate, this was your concept because you are our ray of sunshine. Um, yeah, tell us, tell us what, what do you love besides leftover sandwiches the day after Thanksgiving? What do you love? Uh, great question. Many things. Uh, but I wanted to focus on this one song. And when, when I was coming up with this theme, I wanted to tie it into kind of Josh's... Um, comedy stylings and his Twitter presence and his book and his, his podcast, which is really focused on positivity. And he's known for giving these great pep talks. So I wanted to use Josh's like kind of like magnetism to pull us out of our normal doldrums of like, you know, what I think to be for somewhat nuanced criticism is kind of the vibe over here, but you have to know what you don't like to know what you like. But today, Let's talk about what we like because we spend a lot of time doing Absolutely. other things. So I wanted yes, to play you guys um, this little segment of the track. And I'm, I'm just in love with this song lately. It's this anti-pop consortium 
song off their 2002 um, track, or sorry, album called Arrhythmia, which was really important to me when I was in college. Um, and we've had Beans from Anti-Pop Consortium on, and him and I have kind of become friends. A brief story, I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you guys this. I went on vacation two weeks ago, and I wanted to read Beans's novel. He's like not a novelist per se, but he has written a novel. So I DM'd him to ask him if I could just buy it from him to like circumvent the Amazon ecosystem. And he just sent it to me. So nice. now we're having this kind of DM discussion about his book and the characters wow. and stuff like that, which That's like, awesome. yeah, would have like totally blown my mind back then. And now I have to get used to that, that being kind of how my life is now, which is great. Having a rap podcast is really fun. Um, <laughs> But this song, Bubbles, um, is, I think, um, a much bouncier and, like, uh, more uh, layered nuance. It has, like, hand percussion and things that they're not really known for. Anti-Pop Consortium was, like, three kind of poetic dudes with drum machines kind of going at war with one another, mm -hmm. um, especially in their live show. And this track, Bubbles, is, I would go, almost go so far as to call it dancey. Um, for them at least. And I guess I wish when the Rona is over, if there's a club that plays this kind of music, I want to know about it. And maybe I'll go do my, you know, once a year dancing uh, there. But let's listen to a little segment of it. When I rap, I rap to collapse your back muscle. I mean, snap dorsals, attach lower limbs off of the torso. Toss them, of course, and endorse them with cosine lines. The enforcer known to blow things out of proportion. Verbal contortionist, high beam, leading your team out of the forest. Deserted mines, thirsty for water, grab the camcorder. Before the whole thing dries up, uh huh. Watch the packs double. Caps and caps, this track is called Bubbles. Follow the bright light like a train through the tunnel. I move crowds like Larry Levan. Very advanced, invariably man's arrogance will lead to his downfall. I'm not worthy of the grace. My face grace Jupiter's lakes. So I think what's interesting about this song is that all three of them just kill it. And it's, it's like basically their album opener for the album Arrhythmia. And like you get the, the three different looks from the three different MCs and you see how they approach, like what level of abstraction and attack that they'll bring to a song. And I just have to say, I just love that line where he says, um, I move crowds like Larry LeVan, very advanced. And like the, <laughs> the tying in of that um, kind of like disco, post-disco party rocking style of DJing and like marking it as a clear antecedent of what hip hop DJing became and like acknowledging that lineage just like made mm. me super happy. And like, I just think um, if you've ever read the book, Last Night a DJ Saved My Life um, by Bill Broughton and the other guy whose name I can't remember right now, like that lineage is very well established. And um, I just think it's an excellent underground hip hop song. It was came out on Warp, which is an electronic label. So I like to think of all mm -hmm. these like angry, uh autecker dudes listening to that like i think that's like <laughs> super stokely for me and just i just really really like this song and i wanted to share it with you guys my friends and josh our new friend and just kind of see what you guys thought of it as well i love it i i think it's one of their more ac uh, accessible songs you know what i mean i mean they're known for just being these far out dudes but um i loved it man i mean there, there's a synchronicity there that i really that really sort of um it, it drew me to it, you know what I mean? Because sometimes you put on like an anti-pop consortium song and it's just like a bunch of splinters going at you everywhere. Things are bouncing off the wall, it's all over the place. And um, sort of to your point earlier, man, having spoken to Beans and sort of getting his insight um, and revisiting these records, it, 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 it's really priceless to kind of hear um, the guy you just spoke to just deliver on these things. So yeah, man, I love the song. I, thanks for, let, thanks for um, bringing it up. It was, it was really cool to uh, revisit it. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree. And um, it's always fun. I always like the off song by the group, like the group that's like, let's, let's try some, let's do something that's a little bit off. And I say I like it. I like the attempt. Sometimes it doesn't land. Um, this one, this one did. Uh, I like you, Nate, enjoyed the, the Larry Levin uh, 
kind of reference on something that would have been played in Paradise Garage, right? It's almost like you, you kind of feel let that energy from the track. And so um, I am the dad bod probably that is the most, has the strongest affinity towards kind of dancier, groovier stuff and kind of the intersection of where rap um, and dance music kind of meet, um, which can off, often be awful. But this is this is a good this is a good one and something uh, had you not pointed me back to it I don't think I remembered this my my uh, my anti pop uh, knowledge is is not as deep so I, I appreciate you sharing that and when I listen to it I can kind of see Nate doing a two step and that for me <laughs> that is bubbles for me that is priceless uh, Josh you're you're an NYC club staple um, <laughs> yeah. You, you can yeah, what, what do you think about the track? <laughs> I I really liked it. Like you, uh, Demo, my um, anti-pop consortium knowledge is like a little more cursory. And I, like, I re remember the group, I, like, I hadn't thought about them in a little bit. And when I, I listened to this, it was like not, you know, it doesn't, it didn't like sync with my like memory and impression of like the group. And then I was like reading up, I was like, oh yeah, it's like slam poetry guys that like, did kind of like aggressive avant-garde stuff. But I thought this was just like a joy, the song. And the um, the hand percussion that you mentioned what is like, I'm like a big, I'm such a, um, I feel like such a, uh, like an old man sometimes for being like, I just love the, the New York boom bap drums. But like <laughs> this, this hand percussion, I found to be really like, driving and and like effective and like motivating without feeling like kind of a, a gimmick you know like it's not like mm -hmm. this is like a silly song it's like oh this is like really pushing it forward in a way that just like feels really good yeah so bubbles is not just the best character on the wire it is an excellent song from <laughs> anti-pop consortium and uh josh we have kind of it's not really an inside joke it's more a thing we complain about often of like i think to get back to your last point was like we we, we always say we hate it when rappers are like oh this needs some instrumentation and so then they go and throw in like the Spanish guitar setting on the triton or something mm -hmm. to try to like right. bring a mood. It, it needs to it needs to uh, generate from the song's essence of what it's about. So I yeah, appreciate yeah, you yeah, bringing yeah. that to us. And I, it, there's certainly no um, shortage of boom bap right now. And there, there's the new versions of it. There's all the classics we love. So it's nice to step outside of that a little bit. But I'm glad you guys dug it. And um, I just think it's it's helpful to remember um, the groups like this are often talked about being ahead of their time. Where mm -hmm. now, 20 years later, and I think you can say pretty clearly they were ahead of their time this oh, could, came out yesterday you know what i mean oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. for right. sure absolutely. yeah uh echoes of small bills um was right. my first was my first uh thought about it uh mr david ma what is your what is your love you want to share here on well, the thanksgiving episode um this this one's an easy one for me and especially for us as well but um i wanted to talk about mf doom i mean he's a big um, fixture on this show and with him it's like where do you start you know what I mean so uh, it's an embarrassment of riches and for me on a personal tip I was watching a uh, dark side of the ring which is this WWF documentary mm -hmm. about like sort of like the harrowing tales behind their lives and it sort of dawned on me that I compartmentalize these like these idols these larger than life people in the same way that I do um, rappers so like in mm -hmm. my head, in my, you know, how I categorize it in my brain is like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Ghostface, you know, Jimmy Superfly Snooker and Slick Rick. So they all exist in the same universe in my head. And who um, embodies that more than MF Doom? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, with him, I mean, I'm part of the reason why, why I think I'm always trying to like uncover um, history and stuff through my journalistic work is because it's like, I, I want to know I want to know everything behind these mere mortals that, that seems mm -hmm. so, that seems so larger than life. You know what I mean? And a few years ago, I was able to interview Doom and it was pretty cool because he doesn't do press too often and stuff. And um, I, my first question was, Hey, the mask, why do you wear it? You know? And I was afraid he was going to be, he, he was going to be put off and be like, this interview is fucking over, but he was super cool about it, you know? And it stands, I think is one of the most revealing interviews with Doom. And it just, it just makes me feel really good to like have that connection with one of my idols. And, yeah. um, you know, even if you take all his history 
you know, his Adult Swim cartoons, like all the persona, even if you take all that away, like you still have the Doom mask, which is like the coolest motif emblem Iconic. You know, thing ever, you know? Already woke, spit a joke, barely spoke, barely smoke, stared at folks when properly provoked, mirror broke, hair share a strawberry morning, born and more important, spawning, torn in, poor men sworn in, corners hen switching, positions, auditioning, morticians, sword in a vision, ignoring prison, ignoramuses enlisting, sound dumb, found them, drowning cows dung, crowns flung, rings a tinker bell, sing for things as frail as a fingernail, bring a scale, stale ginger lingers. Seven figures in vigor, nigga, fresh from out the jail, alpha male, sickest ninja, injury this century, enter plea, lend sympathy to limpers, simple Simon ramen MCs, trees is free, please leave a key, these meager fleas, he's the breeze and she's the bees, knees for she's. Um, I, I saw a thing today that I wanted to introduce into this conversation, and it, Dave, I just, just, it's not a joke, but it's just funny, I was like, the thing we love, Dave, the existence of MF Doom. Totally. Yeah, period. <laughs> um, yeah. the, in, in 2004, MF Doom came out with Mad Villain, M Food, and the right. Victor Vaughn album, right. um, but Venomous Villain, which to me is like hugely underappreciated. And um, I just don't know that anyone else has ever really done anything like that. So I just wanted to say, right. I think we're all pretty much, we love Doom, but let's like, Let's sit with that for a second. That's crazy yeah, to me. Totally. It's, not, it's not all made at that time, but it when it lines up like that where you have a calendar year where you're right. Well, um, I mean he has batting one, a thousand. One of the most amazing runs in rap history, you know. He's he's a killer who loves children. You know, like <laughs> I, 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 fucking, I fucking love Doom. And you know, during during our talk, um, Josh, you mentioned um, uh, maybe doing a the the track with Doom and uh, Paul Barman. Um, how how does Doom strike you? I love Doom. Just like, there's just so much. I'm like a real um, maximalist and thing. Like, I just like things to be full of what they are. Like, mm. even if it's like a minimalist sound, I want it to be like the most minimal, if that right. makes sense. Like, 100%. just give me nothing. Like one drop of water, like a Chinese water torture or whatever. It, one drop of water with somebody rapping over that. And so like, I just feel like Doom is like, there's just so much the the rhythm the cadences the the references the right. rhyme schemes it's just right. like so awesome like there's no um there's no like more delightful phrase you can come across in a track listing of like any album than like feet mf doom right like yes, featuring MF doom, yes, you're just like yes. oh this is gonna be my favorite song on the album that yes. song he did with paul barman um uh hot guacamole yes. yep. it's so i which i discovered through your uh, label mates podcast the um open open, open mike eagles podcast with oh, cool. uh prince paul um it just like the back and forth is so weird and like syncopated so weird and and the he's just like so doom is just so down to like play back and forth with paul barman's like super intricate like hyper verbose rhymes like um step like the the thing that really jumped out at me because i was listening to it this week and i was like man this song is so fun it's over that sample of the uh credence right of yep. like mm -hmm. Willie and the poor boys mm -hmm. down in the corner mm -hmm. um and it's just like so so delightful and paul varman mc paul varman says stepped on an undisclosed rake which is like such a funny way to put that. And then like an undis like okay. someone should disclose to you that the rake is <laughs> And then Doom says, catch a nose ache, which is like not a thing. You know what I mean? So they're both like coming at this, it's this like cartoon image of stepping right. on a rake and having it hit you in the face. But Paul Barman comes at it with these like undisclosed rake is just this like super lengthy descriptive <laughs> phrase. And then catch a nose ache is four syllables. And you're just like, Fuck, that was just sitting there. Well, I mean, the the other the other um, dynamic of Doom is um, something that's always that I feel like is getting lost in hip hop, which is humor. Doom's fucking yeah. hilarious. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a it's a Groucho Marx right. kind of. Uh, I always think of Doom as like he is our one of our great uh, wisecracking comedians mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. of hip hop, and we have a few. But I think Doom uh, stands apart in his willingness to be zany. Like, right. catch a nose ache is like zany shit. And I, as a rapper, I can tell you 
89% of rappers would be like, that's dumb. Like, I won't, I wouldn't do that, right? Um, but Doom, not only is like he high level lyrically, he somehow doesn't take himself seriously either. Right. Like he's like, I'll, right. I'll rap about food. Like I'll rap about, you know, um, almost anything uh, if it rhymes, if it fits the rhyme scheme and if I can uh, get my bars off. And so we talk about Doom a lot, but I think there's for good reason. And we were just uh, on a recent episode or maybe not, a recent release, uh, Fly Sifu, uh, which is Pink Sifu and Fly Anakin, came out with a record that is like, uh, I guess, a minute for minute, uh, not remake, but it's the same length uh, in number of tracks as Mad Villain. And I go, that is wild because we're how many years removed from that? We're like 15 plus years removed from that. You have people who were children when that came out who still are seeking to emulate and bring that aesthetic forth. So uh, Doom's shadow is very, very, very long. Uh, Damone, on that too, uh, we've, we've talked a little bit about the Blue and Spanish Ran records where they call mm. MF mm-hmm. Blue. And then we, mm. we so we, like uh, Gary Suarez from Cabbage's newsletter tells us about this guy, Spanish Ran and Blue. And he's like, he's got this MF Doom themed record or kind of like it's called MF Blue and the cover art looks like MF Doom. You listen to it. It's not really about MF Doom at all. Right. And it's like, so it, it was a confounding uh, podcast discussion moment where we're like, what, what are they doing? But the evidence of Doom's impact on underground hip hop is spread far and wide. I think that's well, what I'm trying to get out here. There, he, right. he made it more fun. He um, took the aliases and personas in different directions to give a lot of people things to chew on. Um, Josh, I'm curious, what's your favorite MF Doom thing it doesn't have to be uh you know a, a record or but if you want to do your your best lp by him or any of his aliases do you have something that really stands out to you oh my gosh i do i do love victor vaughn that you brought up mm-hmm. um that's such a fun one uh i i love i mean i i kind of mentioned it before i just love the features like him uh off of that de la soul grind date album oh, that yeah. Rock cocaine yes. flow yes and it's just like syncopated so weirdly and they and like just the way he like rides that beat that's just stuttering it's like it's a clinic you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and he like i i just love and i love it as i love his versatility Mm -hmm. uh it's so yeah just uh, like you said so much fun so willing to be funny and be silly it's all he's like and and i mean he there was that it, it never did the full length ever come out or is it just a couple of the tracks of like the collaboration with Ghostface that they kept teasing oh yeah the just the few tracks yeah it's a couple of tracks yeah and um and like they to me seem like two sides of the same coin mm-hmm. guys who like embrace the idea of aliases would, would be like really hyperbolic and we're like and, and like you said David it's like um entertain like almost like wrestling entertainment where they're totally. like, we're taking this persona to the next level and it doesn't have to be realistic to be cinematic that like exactly. i think that's really awesome. well said yeah absolutely um it, josh do you think doom's comedy is like i don't know how else to ask like is it high level comedy writing like you've been in some writers rooms like would that would that kind of fly or is that something that makes its way around in comedy circles that you're aware of yeah well, i mean i think that comedians who are into hip hop I think there's a lot of love for MF Doom just oh. because like the writing is so high level and, and he just like, it comes from all angles. He's so funny and like willing to, like you were saying, be, be zany. Um, it's just like, so uh, yeah, I think, I don't know that like necessarily it's like a writer's room thing, but I think what he does incredibly well is he writes for the character MF Doom, right? right. Which is but, like, mm-hmm. that's a skill that I don't think, I think, most writers couldn't do you know what i mean like mm, right, so it's not right. like oh uh mf doom could could write for uh you know whatever show is well you know whatever like bob's burgers he could get in the room and like write bob's burgers <laughs> plots or not. but it's like so many comedy writers couldn't write the kind of punchlines that mf doom right pulls off with with such like technical intricacy as well yeah totally that's perfect yeah Perfect. Yeah, I would. I would watch Bob Burgers written by MF Doom. Yeah, I, mean, I would definitely watch that. <laughs> now I need that. Um, so I would love a Bob's Burgers 
I because they have great cameos on that. I would love an MF Doom episode. Dude, and is- also, my personal uh, experience when I was in college, maybe um, like it must have been my beginning of my senior year. So it's probably fall 2006, and I was I got free tickets to see a show on Lansdowne Street at one of the clubs there, like by Fenway Park. The, the clubs don't exist anymore. It's all the House of Blues now. Um, but it was a free show. It was Danger Mouse doing a DJ set, RJD2 doing a DJ set, and Doom. And Doom didn't show, which is Ooh. such a bummer. But it's also like the Doom experience. Totally. <laughs> of like going and being like, who is he coming out? No. Yeah. All right. Next time. <laughs> Doom. It's, it's kind of funny for him not even to send the imposter. Right, right, right. Right, I right, mean, right. No, he's a supervillain, guys. You know, like, it just <laughs> yeah. makes sense, you know. Disappeared um, in a puff of smoke. Totally. <laughs> vanished. So good. So good. And I know uh, on this program, we're probably entering our about our 80th hour of, of Doom Convo. But we could, we could go on for more than that because he is, he is definitely one of the goats. Uh, thank you, Dave, for kind of bringing, bringing that energy to the, to the Thanksgiving table. Um, love. What do, what do I love uh, besides sweet potato pie? Um, <laughs> what I wanted to bring to this episode was my love for everyday rap. There's a, a handful of rappers and rap songs that perfectly capture the mundane aspects of like everyday life. It's not a type of rap that everyone can do. Um, done poorly, obviously it sounds terrible, but of late, I have been kind of like obsessing over this handful of songs. Um, and as I try to make a playlist for my girlfriend, who's a lot younger than me, and who thinks Hamilton is cool. And I'm like, all right, so I have to, let me illustrate what for my culture is storytelling, things that you can relate to that you could tap into that are accessible. And I kept landing on this handful of songs that talk about everyday situations that you don't have to be an aficionado of hip hop to understand and vibe with. So one of those songs uh, most recently came out this year is um, Rap Ferreira's Laundry. Another day, another load of laundry. As soon as I woke up, that feeling was haunting me. Another dad with a hamper. I wonder if Chance the Rapper do his own laundry. Who cares? I scoop socks calmly from under chairs. Underwears is its own load and spin cycle. Towels too. How are you? I've been busy keeping this home together. You know, a family just growing together. In which he kind of just rips on kind of doing laundry, which I can't in my hip hop annals can't think of a song that was ever just focused kind of on that and he uses it as a metaphor and he talks about you know hanging out in the kitchen with the sun um and it's very it's very wholesome it's a very interesting vibe um and i just i really enjoy it obviously i i have to do laundry like the rest of us he wonders in the song does chance the rapper do his own laundry to me that's brilliant it's just like this everyday kind of weird observation uh josh i know you you did Seinfeld uh, today, the, the Twitter account. It feels Seinfeldian of this kind of like, yeah, I'm just, I'm rapping about laundry. Um, another song that came out recently that kind of captures this energy is uh, ASAP Rock has a very short song called One to Ten, where he's talking about his back problems. Like in One to Ten being the doctor asks you like, how bad is the pain? Um, and he... It's, it's pitch perfect. Again, you don't have to be uh, an aficionado. Most of ASAP's songs would be inaccessible to a non-hardcore rap fan. But this one translates, and he's just talking about flipping back pain. Um, maybe, maybe the greatest song of this, and I think is one of the greatest songs in, in hip-hop history, is uh, Andre 3000's A Day in the Life, um, in which is, I don't know how many bars, is maybe 100-plus something bars where he's just kind of talking about this riff. I mean, I know our listeners are probably really familiar with it, but it's this, this long form riff um, that touches on things that are super important and things that are super mundane and ends with him talking about what would happen if your neighbor gave you the Volkswagen rabbit that had been sitting in his yard. Like it just lands on something so mundane. So 
I really like that because rap oftentimes can be super hyperbolic. It right. can have tales of incredible ultraviolence and all kinds of things. And I'm, I'm here for all of those things. But I think it's super artful when somebody can pull off uh, a Paul Barman rapping about the 10 uh, job seeking commandments. Like, I, I think that's, that's like rap uh, at its probably its most versatile. So uh, Sun Ra is going to crucify me for this one, but I'm here for everyday rap, the rap of the everyman. Uh, Nate, you have been a proponent of, of everyday rap uh, for your bike rides. I wonder yes. if any I, I call tracks it resonate with you. Regular guy rap is like mm -hmm. my okay. thing. And I think that's why it's important for you, for people, not for you, but for people to listen to rappers who aren't rich. Mm. There's like the whole universe of rap, like Rick Ross rap, totally. right? Like, and, the, and that has its time and its place. And like, I'm, I'm certainly... Um, not saying not to include that in a balanced diet, but I think it's very important to um, kind of document the mundanities of life and to focus on their their centrality in our everyday lived experience. And I'm going to go a little bit highfalutin here and say it's probably mostly known as like a Twitter joke form now, but like the the Plums poem by uh, William Carlos mm -hmm. Williams. Um, it's like... Um, but sorry, I pulled it up real quick. This is just to say is what it's is what it's called, and it's about the plums that he left in the icebox. And that poem is one of the most famous poems in the world, and it's it's about this small domestic encounter. And I think it has a level of profundity and a level of importance that stretches far beyond far beyond the transaction between the the writer and the the person it's written for, and that hip-hop can approach that and i i use this term occasionally when we're talking about mf doom but i'm going to use it again here now hip-hop and especially underground hip-hop and especially this strain of regular guy rap which to me is personified by people like um uh awol one and like uh, people of that ilk who have kind of a more talk rappy style and i'll go even to our patron open mike eagle um, focuses a lot and then that video dave record earlier this year where he yes. went through the week really really uh, locks this in uh i don't have a bentley i don't have a yacht i don't <laughs> drink champagne i do do laundry i do <laughs> eat plums <laughs> and i do um like i've said this on the awol one episode there's this uh awol one line that haunts me and they don't even use this term for atm machines anymore and he's like like life rexall i've got a verse to sell like taking money out the Versatel. And I'm like, wow. yeah, dude, that's what my life is like. Like right. I need 20 bucks. Like that's, that's how you get it. <laughs> I, I like seeing that reflected in the music. And right. if you do it artfully, if you turn a phrase nicely, I love that. So um, the, the tra of the tracks you mentioned, the one I'm most familiar with is the Laundry Song because Purple Moonlight Pages is probably my favorite record this year. And I've, I'm very fond of um, Rory's um, rap stylings and the, the way that he dug into that, I think is really interesting. But um, I guess what I want to say is this needs to exist. And if it didn't, like, you'd have to invent it. You know what I mean? Like we have, oh, to, we have to dwell in this domestic sphere in the genre. I totally agree. I mean, to, the, to your point, Damone, I mean, these songs are so relatable, but it's the opposite of escapism. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to, sometimes I don't want to hear Jay-Z rapping about how he lost another Rolex. You know what I mean? Not everything needs right. to be opulent and lavish, but I mean, so I mean, so sometimes it just comes down to re relatability, lifestyle, age. I mean, when I was 19, like I didn't necessarily want to hear um, Brand Nubian again for the hundredth time. So I was kind of sure. checking for Slug of Atmosphere. He was talking about his feelings and stuff. And that made sense to me while I was in college. You know what I mean? Right. And so now that I'm 40, you know, everyone's like, know the edge know, know the edge and it's just like now i'm 40 it's like i'm on the I, i'm i'm on the ledge you know and my cholesterol <laughs> is on the ledge my, my blood pressure is on the ledge you know so um i totally know what you mean um the song that came to mind was don's beautiful food yeah. which which yeah. i love because of the 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 french sample and the um the loop that he uses but lyrically he's just talking about different food for like yeah. over and over and i think it's one of the most colorful things ever because it's highly relatable. I love Baba Ganoush, you know? I love yeah. Tabbouleh, let's tabbouleh, do it. Tabbouleh, right, right. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, yeah. So to, uh, I, that's a great point, Damon. I really like you. I really like the fact that you brought that up. Awesome. Josh, you're an yeah. everyday guy. What do, what do, what do you, what's your take? I, I love this. I think it's so like refreshing to hear people um, addressing like just regular stuff in the music, whether it's like mundane household activities, whether it's feelings. Um, the one that jumps out to me as like incredibly accessible because it's a little bit silly, but like this is one that I feel like, oh, you can show this to someone and they'll be like, I get this song is um, What's Up Fat Lip. Uh, oh yes which yes. is just like it's just like him Perfect. being like i'm kind of bummed out i'm not that famous i'm not <laughs> that rich it's like explicitly about being you know what i mean it's not just like oh yeah this is what my life is it's like my life is being not famous and i'm gonna talk about that <laughs> totally um, my so I, so, um well, i work at Jesus and marrow i'm a writer and producer there and the the guys just did Jesus and marrow just did a special where they interviewed a bunch of like hip hop legends and and new exciting people and they talked to Benny the Butcher whose new album is awesome and he was saying they were talking to him about rap, you know rapping about stuff like in the Rick Ross mold and he said let the he said like be honest people can tell if you're not being honest and then like let them see you get that chain right like mm-hmm. bring the audience with mm-hmm. you on right. that journey don't when you are struggling don't pretend that you have a Bentley, talk about where you are. And then when you get the Bentley, people see that you like, mm-hmm. mean it and that you, the path that you've taken together. And I thought that was like a really like nuanced way to look at that. And I thought it was like really cool to hear him talk about that as like part of the process of like, oh yeah, you don't, don't like put up this facade, just like let people in to where you are at any given time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I thought that was, I, I like really like the kind of, regular everyday relatable stuff in addition to the things that where I'm like oh this is like hyperbolic and like ultra violent and ultra materialist um and, and it's like an exciting you know it's like it's like watching a, a mob movie or whatever yeah. mm-hmm. but it's, it's also mm-hmm. so great when you just hear something you're like oh yeah I um oh you know what you know what song uh really gets me because I, I used to live I lived uptown on the west side and the song one train by uh, ASAP Rocky and many mm. others. And yeah. he says, um, transition to a Lamborghini from a Mustang, tell you one thing, anything is better than that one train. And I would take <laughs> the one train down the west side to my job every day. And I was like, oh, this is, this hits me where he's like, you know, he's talking about that. I, I shared this experience, even though he's like, I've, I've come up this way. Uh, but also I remember what it's like to like ride this local train that stops every seven blocks. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Um, Josh, I know you're a big Beastie Boys guy. You had a great piece um, out earlier this week about you missing the New York described by Paul's Boutique. Um, I think the Beastie Boys are masters at this and they they blended an absurdity and a surreality and a um, reference heavy um, kind of, um, they're not even rhyme schemes. They're just like throwing kind of shit at the wall in their inimitable uh, three-man weave style of mm-hmm. doing it. But I learned so much from them recounting like what records they were collecting, what mm-hmm. TV shows they watched, what movies, like naming side characters and things and you having to do a little bit of detective work um, to get there. So I just, I didn't want the moment to pass without us bringing up uh, the Adams and Mike and their facility with this and their lives were actually pretty dope. So it's a, their regularness is a little bit different from some of the other stuff we're talking about here. But if you, if you can, can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So I, I wrote this piece for Talk House and it's just about how I miss like the Beastie Boys New York is the New York that resonated with me of just like, oh, I'm a smart ass Jew and sometimes getting into trouble, sometimes avoiding trouble. And like, it just, listening to that record feels dense. It like every, like the production is dense. The, they overlap with each other so much. And it just feels like, oh, this is like subway car rap. Like I hear this and it's just like, it's a crush of people. It's like, this is the, um, this is a song that feels like weaving through, like people are in line for a club and you're like weaving through their line to like go downstairs to a dive bar. And it just feels like, and so the, the like 
production of the album in addition to them talking about these like just like you know driving around LA throwing eggs at people and uh going to like divey places in New York and just like fucking around and like playing local commercials it just really feels like um it really like has the energy of like being around a lot of people and mm-hmm. this year I really miss mm-hmm. that and that al- and feeling that is so mm-hmm. refreshing and exhilarating uh in a way that like I think there's a lot of great music that feels really spare and uh lonely or even songs with more than one MC on them can still feel like we're taking our turn with you know like mm-hmm. um MF Doom literally wears a face mask. So the Beastie Boys, it just feels like like people being too close to you and you're just like, well, that's part of it. Like I'm in with, I'm in this like seething crush of New York City. And right. and, and I I miss that. Yes. Ah, people, human interaction. Uh, <laughs> Josh, what what do you love? Okay. So this I think this dovetails really nicely with the Beastie Boys piece. Um and I, I don't mean to be, again, to be old about this and pick a 11-year-old album. You're in the um, right place, my friend. Totally, totally. And, and I've been listening. I, I like, this is so, this is such a, a, a dork thing to say, but like I'm streaming music a lot for the first time okay. in, in like this year, this year, because normally I would like pay for something or I would, or I would like listen to one song or I'd listen to the snippets and I've been streaming lots. So I've been like listening to a lot of the new stuff, just like, Oh, I'll give this one spin. I should, I should listen to the the whatever Future's new project is to like know what it is, even if, if I wouldn't like put down the money and and listen to it a ton. Uh, so I was really psyched. I, this is very long winded. I was very psyched to see Mr. Liff has a new album out this yeah. this yeah. month, <laughs> and I was like, oh, Boston, like because I'm from That's Massachusetts, right. and so when I when I was like a teenager in my twenties, when he was putting out full length records every couple years I was like oh he's the guy that's like representing for the city so Mm -hmm. like I do keep current on some things but (laughs) that said the uh, something that I love and come back to and feel like it maybe doesn't get its due like I think nobody speaks ill of it but I feel like people should bring it up more as like a a classic is Method Man and Red Man's Blackout album It, uh, it came out in 99 it was kind of at the peak of Method Man and Red Man as a, a duo. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they, they put out a movie, they had a TV show. Their friendship and creative collaboration was like widely documented at the time. And this album has such a great energy in that, like we were talking about with Doom, they're funny. They're like, like Red Man is another oh, one of hilarious. the funniest rappers of all time. Like so funny. My, my, middle name must be he ain't shit like it's he's so funny um, and and so they're really funny they're they're clearly like enjoying themselves there there are some great guest appearances there's just like and they I think it was maybe like them both still at the peak of like we're wrapping our asses off on every song mm-hmm. and uh and I just like love I love the sound of it it just feels like I don't know I I think people when you think it it has people I think go back to like watch the throne as like two titans at the peak of their powers and I agree but I also think that this is it is definitely that good to me oh for sure it's like two MCs who are just like in total command in total sync with one another and putting out something that's both like uh that's like artistic and like really true to the like I mean you know to the Wu-Tang and uh solo stuff that Redman done before but also just like super fun like it's it Mm -hmm. does it puts you in a good mood to listen to yeah it's uh that's such an interesting record and you're right it doesn't get talked about a lot you couldn't go to a basketball game circa 99 2000 without uh Duroc Wilder being the the, the come out music (laughs) yeah uh, but this this album was for me exciting because it was like the first time in a long time that like Red Man verses were on the radio, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like right. Red and Meth had achieved had gotten to such a plateau that it was like this kind of full circle moment, you know, where Red was on the radio in a way that you hadn't heard in a long time, and so 
Um, I, I think it is. I think it is one of those kind of lost gems, in part because uh, Red Man and Method Man, um, their popularity star kind of fizzled in some ways, and so I think we 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 almost it almost obscures the music that they did. But but I'm I'm with you. I was I was always a a, a Blackout fan. I love that this was your pick. I um I saw your tweet about like staying up at night wondering if they're friends or something. And <laughs> yeah. it, it just made me laugh so hard. Like I was like, does does Riza drink coffee out of a chalice? Like you know, like <laughs> does Jizza open the rapper do his own laundry? <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally, totally. But you no know, um, I'm glad you made I'm glad you made me revisit the album because um I I put it on today and just the way it starts, I was LOLing my ass off. Um, where uh, Redman goes. Y'all want to get high? And then um, Method Man goes, does Pinocchio have wooden balls? <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, dude. This- and he almost, his delivery on that is like almost an Adam Sandler delivery. Right? Like, does Pinocchio yeah. have wooden balls? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like a funny uh, buddy cop film. The, the, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the recording. And I remember oh, at I the time, it. I think I was 19. And I remember sort of being turned off by it. I, I, I returned it at the warehouse. This was back in the day. Wow. Return, wow. Where you can return anything and mm-hmm. then like get store credit. So I'd be yep. like, oh, okay. So I would just return all kinds of stuff. But um, yeah, dude, it was, it, was just so, uh, it was just so hilarious, you know? I, I really loved the pairing and yeah, it was great. I just remember being turned off because, you know, Method Man was a little less to cow and was mm-hmm. sort of shedding the Shaolin stuff. And I was holding on to that dearly, you know of what course. I mean? So, um, yeah, but revisiting it now, it was fucking hilarious today, dude. And just once again reminds me of how underrated Red Man always is. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead, Josh. Just that first song. Sorry to keep jumping in. You're good. No, no, good. The first, like, song, the second track, right? He's just, like, so self-deprecating and so funny where he's, like, this training course and y'all ain't fit on my crew tombstone put we all ain't shit and it's just like <laughs> that's so funny that's great that's dude. so yeah. funny i scored 1.1 on my sat and still push a whip with a right and left ac gorilla big dog if my name get called i'm behind a brick wall with arsenic jaws spit poison got a gun permit draw gun down at sundown you keep score this training course and y'all ain't fit on my crew I like love how aggressively like he's so aggressive like he's rhyming so hard and it's just like man we all suck (laughs) (laughs) totally it's nice when the self-deprecation is set off with an uh, an apparent skill right you know it's like Mm -hmm. yeah you're self-deprecating because you're so good it's like you're you're undercutting (laughs) the rap thing and Dave I just wanted to point out like the underground thing like we were all listening to like sound bombing and stuff we weren't like Mm -hmm. allowing ourselves to have fun so it's so nice that we can go back now and be like oh i missed a lot because i had a terrible attitude about hip-hop at that time and i wanted to be underground and i i wanted to like be the, the term i always use is that that whole scene my whole vibe back then was very dour and like who has time for that now like let's have a little fun like um i i will echo your sentiment in that I hadn't thought about this in a long time. It's not a record I was totally familiar with listening to it today. I, I really enjoyed it. My only hot take, and I don't think you guys are going to agree with this and that's fine, is that Serial Killer and not Derock Wilder should have been the single. I think Serial Killer <laughs> is the cut on here and it's the pure essence of it. It has the like wobbly synthy beat and then just them mm-hmm. two going back and forth and it doesn't have the confusing aspect of being named after its producer for reasons mm-hmm. that escape me right um, and i know that song is big and it's they play it on the throwback radio and apparently at every knicks game in the back in the alan houston days but like i i just like i'm gonna add b playlisting that serial killer song i i think their interplay between each other has always had so much camaraderie and like they they latched onto the thing that works for them and it's sort of being hip-hop's Cheech and Chong which they took a little too far maybe in the movies and the shows (laughs) but on the records um it's like when Cheech and Chong's band played in the movies they sucked because they were so high but Method Man and Red Man are rapping at a world-class level as high (laughs) as it's possible to be so that's what I think is fun about it I, I really enjoyed listening to this today and this my last point is like somewhat uh, similar to the track Bubbles, 
when you're looking for things that make you happy in music, I think it's really important that it has a sense of bounce. And th- this mm-hmm. thing is bouncing all over the place. Like it, oh, has, yeah. it just it's, has a really yeah. springy, like tigger tail thing to the beats that l- they can jump off of. I just, I had a lot of like jumping metaphors, trampoline. Yeah, I mean, like... the, the video <laughs> for uh, Tear the Roof Off, they were like in a wrestling ring, like jumping yeah. over turnbuckles. Oh, so perfect. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. great. I agree with you. I think this is this is something I like don't think about that much I, because it's so far, you know, this we're talking like 20, 20 years in the past. But I also was like real I really clung to the idea that like the kind of super deep underground stuff was like the real stuff and then the stuff that kind of like bubbled up below the surface like you could like that and sometimes it was good, but like, you know, I I mean like but I also think that some of the artists who are making the incredibly um, like kind of gritted teeth music of that time have like even added more colors to their palette. Like, mm-hmm. the, like to go from the, the Def Jux era LP to yeah. present day LP with Run the Jewels and all the, the other stuff he, he works on. It's like, I feel like he over the years like keeps adding things that he can do and, and is interested in doing and like feelings and attitudes he expresses more now more than ever. I, I think totally. he lightened up. Thank God, right? He, his, his solo stuff, which we love and like revere, is is dark. Like it's, it's really dark. Yeah. He's, oh, in a, totally. he's in a bad mental place, I think, and mm-hmm. he's dealing with it through music. The music is incredibly compelling and the whole Blade Runner cinematic aspect of it is, is frankly beautiful in this icy way especially the cannibal instrumentals probably the best thing of that kind but yeah i'm like happy for him right he got married right right yeah he found some like maybe some sativa rather than some indica and he's like (laughs) letting himself have fun like um like i was playing someone the ooh la la that's exactly Mm -hmm. what i was about to say and i was like the video is so joyful totally um, i think we we i actually wish i would have watched this on the day the saturday two weeks ago when we all found out we weren't going to be in a dictatorship that's the kind of party (laughs) i wanted to have totally totally Oh wow, that's that's a great tie-in because I think Ula La has has the Rockwaller energy um, in terms of yeah. like a, a bouncy radio esque yeah. track. Um, Josh, you you meant you mentioned uh, Blackout as as the thing that you love and Red and Meth, uh, the progenitors of that. You work with a couple of dudes that have <laughs> Red and Meth energy. <laughs> I, that's um, true. For real, for real. Um, so you are you are the head production writer on Jesus and Marrow. Um, yeah, I'm a, a writer and and co executive producer on the show, which is so it's so exciting. Why. I like I've that's yeah I've why. been there for two years. The both the two years that they've been at Showtime, Showtime. and then coming back uh, early next year, early 2021 for season three. Um, yeah, it's been that's really amazing. awesome. Yeah, that's how, so how awesome. did how did that happen? How did you, I mean, I know we know your hip hop. We know your, your New York bona fides. <laughs> but like, how do you end up, I know you wrote for John Oliver and you, you worked on that show as well. But how did you end up with Jesus and Mary? Like, how did that pairing come about? I got, so, I mean, it's like, I, I knew Jesus a little bit through Twitter. And, mm-hmm. and I knew uh, their work, obviously, together. Um, and, but I was writing for John Oliver. I'd been there for five years. The first year doing their web social media stuff the the last four the next four is a staff writer and it was amazing it was like truly a dream job beyond what I ever thought I would get to work on Mm. and I had I'd been kind of in the same job for four years and I was like man I'm like I feel like I'm getting good at this and I I love this job and I love my coworkers. and it would take so much like it would take another dream job to move me from this like comfortable wonderful position and I got, I just got asked, like my, uh, my agent just called me and was like, you know, this is like, it's like, she was like, I think you would vibe really well with these guys. And uh, would you want to go in for this? Cause I, she's like, I know you like your job, but like, they're looking for people for, for when they move over to this new show, do you want to come in and interview with them? And I was like, yeah, of course, like they're amazing. And so I went in and it, it was the day, it was the day after the Red Sox won the world series in 2018 uh like they clinched the night before and i came in the next day and for my interview and i sit down and jesus goes well i bet you're in a real fucking good mood right now (laughs) (laughs) 
And I said, yeah, man, it's great. You guys should try it because they're huge Yankee fans. <laughs> and, uh, and so, and I, I got hired and I've been working with them and it's, and it's like, I, I, the production style is so different and the kind of like writer muscles that I exercise just because every, the way stuff is pitched and the way stuff is written and produced is so different than for, for John. Right that I never feel like I have to compare like, oh, like I wish I was still doing this or like we would do it this way at the other show. And I never feel like I'm chasing that. I'm like, oh, we're making like a totally different, really different, exciting, I said different twice in a row, but like really exciting uh, show that I don't have to go like, oh, but if we did it this way, it would be better because that's how they do it over there. Uh, So it's like, it's been really exciting and fun. Josh, can you give us a little insight and I not to nerd out too hard and you don't have to go too deep into it, but like, it seems like their riffs are not written. So like, what is, written? Oh yeah. What, what are you write, writing? They riff a lot. Yeah. I mean, it is like a lot, a lot of just them being spontaneous and our writing staff is really small because we're not writing full monologues. We're not writing like verbatim riffs. Like, you know, I mean like writing for John, um, it is like, everything is on the page. Yeah, and those might, feel written. He's he like presenting a comedic essay. Yeah, right, right. And he might riff five syllables. Like he goes in, <laughs> he goes into a taping and the, um, the assistant director will go, I need you, I need you to get me 30 seconds because otherwise we'll go over time and he'll go, great. And he'll just talk 30 seconds faster and the show will time out perfectly. Like he's wow. a hilarious machine. Yeah. And, wow. Yeah. And Jesus and Marrow it is like a lot of the writing is kind of figuring out how to like present them. Sometimes they will come into the show totally cold and we'll have to like write throws to clips that explain to the hosts of the show what they're watching as they're presenting it to the audience, which is like a fascinating challenge. And, and wow. it's not that like, it is because they are so spontaneous and they're like, no, don't, don't like tell us because then our reactions won't be as uh, sincere. It, it's yeah. not like they, you know, it's not like they're like, oh yeah, we're busy. <laughs> they're like, no, 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 we come in cold because that's wh- where we get like the most juice from like really focusing and locking in and like reacting in the moment. But then there's like, there's lots of other stuff we've done where like, um, we, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think. Um, Heaven Nagatu is one of our writers who's amazing, pitched this piece that was a versus battle that was Beethoven versus mm. a character named J Jehoven, <laughs> like loosely Jay Z based, and so they did a versus That's battle hilarious. with classical music, and so she like wrote and kind of produced this thing where she was like, okay, here are the beats, the this is who the characters are, this is how you're gonna present it, and then they would riff within that structure, and, and so like, you know, that takes preparation, it takes her kind of stepping in and being like, cool, can we get a little bit of this? Like, okay, now react to this. Now, like, let's hit these tropes from the versus battles that you're seeing. And then the writers uh, wrote out all the just constant flow of Instagram comments that was coming yeah. up on the screen. So it's like <laughs> those little flourishes. And and so it's like a really nice um, exercise in being like, like, I think Jesus said in an interview that like, that the hosts, Jesus and Mara, the water and the writers and the production staff are like the irrigation, like channeling it in a way that makes <laughs> mm. it a show instead of just like the two funniest guys being funny. Um, and, and and I think that that's like a great, it's like very exciting and fun to get to work in this kind of style, which is so different than what I was used to. And it's like nice to, like, it's a nice reminder to like take my own, like, like writer push my glasses up the bridge of my nose ego out of things and just be like mm. I'm throwing I, I'm like throwing alley-oops to like Blake Griffin in his prime <laughs> and there's two of him <laughs> that's perfect that's great man. um please also tell us about your excellent podcast oh thank you yeah um so I have a podcast called make my day it's a comedy game show where there's one guest per week so they always win or there will be two people playing as a team and they win as a team. Uh, and each guest wins. The, the point of the game is to cheer me up personally. And that's what every game is about. And, and the games are catered to the guest. And then at the end, uh, the winner, who is the only person on the show, wins a uh, $100 donation to the charity or aid cause of their choice. Uh-huh. So nice. it's, it's been really fun. Yeah, the guys were on. They did. The, they, and so their episode was like, we went track by track and they cheered me up by like inventing their dream 
late 90s album like hip-hop album that if they had made it so it was like okay tell me what the cover looks like tell me like what the big radio hit is tell me who you have beef with that you're kind of like um you know there's like shots fired on the album what is that about yeah <laughs> and they're, they're just like they went through it it was so funny um and and just like pulling out super deep cuts like Jesus talking about like getting really into like cannabis lyrics and and like wanting to like explain just being like dude you don't know like it's the next level <laughs> it was just like so fun um really great guest Aparna and Cherla has been on um uh, yeah it's been Mike Rabiglia it's been a really good time mm. awesome. I've been doing it I started it was supposed to be a panel show like wait wait don't tell me but like dumb <laughs> and, a bit dumb <laughs> that was the pitch yeah that was like that was dumb i i told my producer i was like i kind of want the vibe to be like wait wait don't tell me that fucks like you can swear and stuff and like you don't have to know anything um and so then and then we were literally supposed to record the tuesday before new york lockdown and, mm. and that that recording got pushed we were like oh this is like a weird vibe this week we should like maybe not be gathering people in a studio we'll wait a couple weeks and then like april hit and we we're like hmm, this might be a while so that's why we started doing it like one-on-one over the phone and so because uh i i just like hadn't done it so i w- i didn't feel as confident doing like hosting like a three-person panel show oh really okay yeah i mean i mean i could have done like in the room i was like this will be a great energy but it was before like everyone was recording everything like like we're doing now and I, yeah. think we're, I was like oh if there's like a lag maybe it won't work and I think it it all it would have ended up fine but but with the constraints of like oh we got to rethink everything it, it's become like its own really weird thing like I, I um this really gosh what's the name of the outlet I'm, I forget the name of the place because the, but that writer's name was Emily and we talked uh about the show we I did an interview recently and she was her like synopsis of it was like it's kind of a game show, but like, it's not really. And it's like kind of an interview, but it's like not really. And it's like <laughs> kind of riffing, but it's not really. Yeah. And, and so I think it's like got its own very silly, um, like one-on-one and it's short. It's like half an hour and then you're, you're done. So if you, if you love it, great. There's 30 episodes out. And if you don't like it, it's over very quickly. <laughs> wow. That's, that's super dope, man. So you, you've got Thank the you. podcast, you're writing for a little show. <laughs> um, little show maybe some folks have heard of uh, what's in the works you seem like a guy that's got a got a, a book or two or or is there a movie is there more tv like what's what's coming up for you I so I, I had a book come out last year it's a an essay collection called nice try stories of best intentions and mixed results and that still exists if people want to check it out I'm like really proud of it I worked really hard on it I like I I'm like glad to have that out in the world um, mm. excuse me I'm like really uh, excited for when stand-up is safe again mm-hmm. um, and yeah I mean like that I feel like a lot of my energy right now is going to the podcast and and writing for the show full-time um, but also it's like I'm I just I'm like working really hard just to kind of like think about what is next and like what the next thing will be so like I'm I'm kind of like working with someone really great just like on a you know maybe a sitcom pitch that like hopefully something comes up like there's so I'm like maybe trying I do the, the, these pep talks on on Twitter that have become pep talks at the end of the podcast now like every episode ends with a podcast from me and a podcast from the guest and so I'm like may, thinking about like uh working on a proposal for like a children's book of like pep talks to inanimate objects um, that I think will be fun, but like you know, it's all the other stuff. Like the podcast is real, the book is real, the show is real, but everything else is like, well, this could uh, four days from now, people could be like, we don't want it, and I'm like, mm, do we know it? Well, um, I really wanted to have you on our show because I really admire the way that you weave hip hop into your comedy and I could tell you were ahead even though you were a little self-deprecating in the emails you really showed and proved here you know your stuff um so if you anything ever pops up in the hip-hop realm I think you'd be well suited for that as well and just uh just really wanted to say thank you so much man man. um, thank you all this was such a pleasure (laughs) absolutely thanksgiving to everybody happy thanksgiving Yeah. yeah happy thanksgiving America and a couple people in the UK and Sweden uh Awesome. So uh, maybe check out Jesus Romero on Showtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
They're, they're huge mongoose. Josh, we'll definitely keep an eye out for all your work, man. Just thank you so much for coming on the program. Thank you. This, this was a really great time and, and so much fun. It was, it was really wonderful to talk with you all. Thank you.